Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is the Jazz, the Utes, the Cougars. When it comes to the teams that you're passionate about, these guys have got you covered. Hi. This, this is DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by BJ Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune and Blue Turf Sports. Welcome back to the show, BJ. Always a pleasure, guys. How are we doing? We're doing well. Everyone's looking forward to the big game tonight. The Utes and the Aggies are looking forward to Boise State winning and shutting BYU fans up. They've about had it with these guys who've pummeled seven nobodies. Cougar fans, meanwhile... Looking forward to the victory that will justify their spot in the top 10 and the undefeated season. They hope that they're about to see an exclamation put on. Now, all of that brings up the question, uh, who is Boise State? And before we get to the injuries and lineup and all that, I think the question is, who are the Broncos at 2-0? and Seeing what's happened to Utah State in three games now and knowing that Air Force was missing more than 30 guys, do you know who the Broncos are? Or there's still a lot of question marks. No, I think there's, you know, it's a valid point on both sides. And I think if you're going to question BYU, it's certainly fair to question uh, Boise State as well. And But, again, you can only uh, play and beat who's on your schedule. So, um, I, you know, certainly Boise State has some injury issues on the defensive side. Probably going to have the backup quarterback in there again. Um, you know, they're obviously not at 100%. But, um, you know, they came in as a borderline top 25 team, and they've done what they were supposed to do, win their two games and, and rather convincingly in both games. So I, I think that um, they've looked good, but this is certainly going to be their biggest and hardest test of the season, just like it is for BYU. So I think it's, uh, you know, both teams have something to prove and want to, you know, prove that they're a legitimate team here. And that's why I think just so much on the line, you know, tonight makes it that much more exciting. Why so mysterious with Bachmeyer? Well, we'll find out, uh, you know, an hour before the game, but I would fully expect Jack Sears to get the start. Uh, Boise State is, you know, all these schools are being different about, you know, you have Clemson coming out and just saying, yep, uh, Trevor Lawrence has COVID and he's out for two weeks. And then you have schools like Boise State who really hide behind the FERPA laws and things like that. And so, um, you know, we don't know. We know that two of their starters missed the game last week, a safety as well as Bachmeyer. And then they said that one player was out due to COVID protocol and they didn't say which one. They're expecting the safe to be to be back tonight, which leads you to believe that Bachmeyer was the one out because of uh, because of COVID. But again, they're not telling us. We don't know for sure. He finished the last game with no injury. He did the post game interviews, and then all of a sudden, the next game against uh, you know Air Force, he just uh, didn't didn't show up. And so um, it'll be uh, you know we'll find out an hour if he's out there warming up. But I would fully expect at this point Jack Sears will probably start at quarterback again. And then if he were to win. You know, I guess it's a topic for Boise Sports Radio, but you'll have quite the quarterback controversy here if Jack Sears goes out and uh, beats BYU, uh, you know, and then Bachmeyer is still sitting on the bench. What about running back? What about Halani's availability? I think I'm going to lean that he's out, guys. I mean, I, I, I've heard different things both ways, and I it would not surprise me at all if he misses this game tonight. I, I'm not officially reporting that or anything, but if I had to make an educated guess, I would lean towards no George Halani in this game based on what I've heard and you know they don't let us watch practice or anything so it's just some people that I've talked to but um that would be a big loss he's obviously their number one back he's a thousand yard rusher as a freshman last year and 
um, that would have been an area for them to try to control the clock and, and really use him to, to help them. And he looked really good in the first game against Utah State. Um, I, I, you know, he's going to maybe try to give it a go, but I just, you know, from what I've told, he's probably not going to play. And so that, uh, you know, puts the onus on Andrew Van Buren, who let's face it, he's not a bad back. You know, he had two rushing touchdowns in that Air Force game. Andrew Van Buren is a guy they've really liked, but behind him, in the Air Force game, they had a walk-on, Tyler Crow as the number two back. So they've got, you know, it's it's more the depth. It's not just Halani being out. It's what that does with the depth chart because they've got some other guys that are injured and a, a Juco running back that was supposed to be a key guy that's out for the season. So they just don't have much depth at running back. So I think Khalil Shakir, they're kind of do-it-all wide receiver, might have to get some uh, carries in the backfield if, if that comes to that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards no, no George Halani. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised for Boise State fans that he plays, but that that certainly is a big loss for Boise State if he's out. So as far as the offensive game plan, it doesn't change, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't change as much with Sears in there, but the more impact is at running back, and how much does it change there then? Yeah, I mean, I I think, uh, you know, certainly Sears looks pretty good against – you know, against Air Force, 17 for 20, 280 yards, three touchdowns. You can say what you want about Air Force's defense, but Jack Sears looks more than capable of uh, holding his own in there at quarterback. It doesn't appear to be a huge drop-off at quarterback. So, no, I don't think much changes um, from that standpoint. But, yes, yeah, certainly at running back, um, again, they've got one scholarship running back on the roster if, uh, if uh, you know, or are available to play if George Helani is out. So, you know, and, and two running backs total, one one in Andrew Van Buren and then a walk-on in Tyler Crow. That That is it. So you're talking about a physical game like this where you're going to want to run the football and you literally have one scholarship uh, running back that you can hand the ball to. So that is a that's a big deal for them. And so, yeah, whether they, you know, how they decide to do that. And like I said, you know, they've, they've been getting a lot of other guys involved in terms of fly sweeps and things like that. They've been doing a lot of kind of unique runs. So, um, you know, Khalil Shakir was a, a running back some in high school. Um, he's you know their top wide receiver, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's a guy that ends up getting some some time in the backfield just because he's kind of a, a versatile weapon. They've got some other guys, um, you know, some some freshmen, some young guys that may have to all of a sudden, um, you know, get get some time at at running back, maybe some receivers and things like that. But they're gonna have to move positions. So yeah, I think it's gonna be a, a you know they're gonna have to piece this thing together, and they've probably at least had a week to do it. You know, last week Alani went out on the first series of the game, and they were that was it. They were just stuck with you know, Andrew Van Buren, but now they've had a week to probably game plan for this. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see some kind of gadget, unique type stuff and some other guys getting involved in the running game. So you've been on with us a couple times this season. And the first time you came on, we were kind of talking big picture issues, knowing the Aggies and Cougars were both on the schedule. And we see, see the Broncos twice in the first three weeks. You thought that there were some questions on both lines, both offensively and defensively. How much of those questions have been answered? How much is that a strength or a weakness going into this BYU game? Offensive line has has played very well. The offensive line has done well. They had four new starters this year, and that was certainly something that was a big question mark going into the season. But um, they've actually played pretty well. Um, I've been pretty impressed with the offensive line. I think they are looking at they're capable of holding their own. Um, the defensive line is a little bit of a different question because they've already lost their starting defensive end. The guy that was already supposed to replace Curtis Weaver, the all-time Mountain West Sacks leader, he went out in the Air Force game with a season-ending knee injury. And then Scaly Gahan, your starting defensive tackle, the only guy on the inside that had any experience at all, 
he went. He's gone out early in both games with injuries, and no word on his status for for this game. I think he's going to be a game time decision tonight. And um, and so you're talking about relying on some, you know, guys on the interior that that are either transfers or haven't or JUCO guys or hadn't played much at all. And they played pretty well against that triple option actually. But you're still talking about a lot of inexperience, a lot of guys. You know, now you're talking about a you know two JUCO guys and a, a Utah transfer being solid in the mix. They're getting a lot of action. And then, you know, just some, some other guys that are just, you know, young sophomores that haven't played much. So I, I think the bigger question is, and the jury is still out on the defensive line, especially lately because of some of these injuries they're dealing with. Yeah, as I look at this game, the one area where I think I can pinpoint an advantage is BYU's offensive line against Boise's defensive line. I think everything else I see as sort of neutral and just who plays better but I think that that's where BYU has its advantage. Do you see any other areas? Yeah, and they were talking about that this week. I mean, a lot of those uh, BYU offensive linemen are going to be five, six, seven inches taller, I believe, than some of the defensive linemen on Boise State. So they're going to have a, a huge advantage, uh, BYU, as along the offensive line. You know, I, I think Boise State's you know, got a very veteran uh, linebacker group that are all returning. They're supposed to get both their safeties back as well. So I think the back seven – is going to be a strength for Boise State, which certainly they're going to need against uh, you know the passing attack of, of BYU. But um, a lot of people have been sleeping on the running attack for BYU too. I mean, they're almost rushing for what 200 yards a game, in addition to what you know Wilson's doing through the air. So I think Boise State's linebackers and their ability to come up and play the run is going to be a big important factor in this game. Get try to get you know BYU into some third downs. There was a lot of talk about how BYU really hasn't gotten off track. They're not in a lot of third and eight, third and nines. It's usually like third and two, and so. Boise State's going to try to do their best. Uh, not a lot of tackles for loss, not a lot of sacks against BYU. So they're going to have to try to, you know, get get some, you know, negative plays and plays near the line of scrimmage so that can put them in longer situations. But no, I agree with you. I don't see a lot of huge advantages one way or the other. It's just so hard when you look at the stats, and you could argue neither team has really played anybody. And so I think uh, this is kind of the first true barometer. I mean, I saw some stat where oh. Boise State leads the nation in uh, passing yards again. So they've played, you know, two games, and one of them was against a triple option team. So, I mean, the stats are just so skewed. So I think that uh, we're going to get a real test tonight on, on both sides in terms of how legitimate these teams are. And I, I think this is going to just be one of those classic games that comes down to the wire. Enough of the football. Let's talk about BYU fans. How's Ticketgate going up there? Are you, uh, <laughs> your social media quieting down at all? Oh man, it was uh, every ten minutes. I come back and look, and there's some new some new replies. It's been it's been actually kind of fun to help me get through the the, the time that it's taking for this game to finally get here. I, I you know I just it, it's very I, I get it. I got two little boys. If when they if they were at the age where they would want to you know come to a game or if, if they're old enough to play, would I want to go see them? Yes, but I'll just say this from the Boise State side: their parents have not been able to see any game yet so far. The first home game had no fans. The Air Force game had no parents for either side. Um, and the COVID numbers here are awful. They're going in the wrong direction. They may pull the plug after this one game and say this is the only game. So this may be the only game where there's a chance that, that you could get them in. And so from the Boise State side, you want to let the band, you want to let the cheerleaders, you want to let your players' par- you know your players' parents, and you want to let some students in. This may be the only game where the, the Boise State students that are you know paying to be students and go to school here get to come to the game. And the uh, Central District Health only allowed for a thousand total people to be inside. So. I don't think it's some conspiracy, some let's, you know, screw BYU and not let their parents come to the game. I don't, 
think that's it at all. I think it's, hey, if this is the only game we get to do this, our students and our band and our cheerleaders that are here every day and go to every game deserve to be the ones that get to get in if this is the only time it's happening. And BYU parents have already seen their, their kids play a couple of games. So I, I, I get why some BYU parents maybe are upset, some BYU fans are upset and saying it's gamesmanship. And we saw the BYU Cougars TV station calling it Bush League and everything. I mean, I, I, I get that and I can see it from both sides, but I really think this was, hey, we got to take care of our people here in Boise if, if, and make sure that they get a chance to do this. And, and I just think that, you know, I think Boise State, frankly, is surprised by how this is kind of blown out of proportion and been crazy. And I don't think it was some, some conspiracy. I think it was we got to take care of our own people first. And, um, you know, again, well, uh, you know, I, I know it's added some fuel to the rivalry here, some fuel to the fire, but I, I don't think there was any, any intent on Boise State to, be, to do anything negatively towards BYU. It was, hey, if this is the only game, we got to take care of our people. And I, I think that uh, some rational fans from BYU do see that, but it's been pretty one-sided the other way, unfortunately. Did Harson sign off completely on being Boise State, obviously the only team in the Mountain West, to to have a game of this stature as far as non-conference, recognizing that Air Force has their commander-in-chief thing that they always have going on? Yeah, it's funny because that was the only reason Boise State got to play BYU was that Air Force was supposed to play Army, and then that game got canceled for tomorrow. Um, because Air Force is dealing with some some COVID issues themselves, and so yeah, I think he was definitely on board with it. He didn't know about it till the very end when they kind of announced that it might happen. He was kind of like, well, yeah, it's, I heard about it when you guys did, but it was to make the math work in the schedule. Like you said, they had to have some Mountain West team play a non-conference game on this weekend, and BYU's schedule is still open. And tonight was actually the original night the game was supposed to be played anyway, and so it just worked out perfectly. And I think Boise State always likes playing BYU, and they like playing, you know, nationally televised big games. And so I think they said if we have the opportunity, I think the trade-off would have been going to Albuquerque, New Mexico for a road game. So I'm certainly on board with the alternative. Um, and I think that uh, for Boise State, it was a no-brainer. Let's, let's play a top 25-type team instead of a, a road game at New Mexico where you're going to be favored by 30. And uh, I think that Harson was on board with this. It, it's been great games. You know, three of the five games in Boise have been decided by one point. That doesn't even include the, the game last, you know, two years ago where Wilson was tackled at the buzzer. So I think that um, it's a big deal, and, and it's a, you know, Boise State doesn't shy away from these kind of games. They were supposed to play Florida State this year. They were supposed to play at Marshall. They had some other big games on the schedule, and I think to at least keep one of them against BYU, they were all for that. And uh, luckily it worked out math-wise and with the conference, and they were able to pull it off. So do you make predictions or no? I got to – I mean, yeah, I don't mind doing a prediction. I mean, I think it's going to come down – as I said, I see no reason why this is not another one of those classic games. I mean, every time Boise State and BYU play, it comes down to some play in the fourth quarter that can decide the game. It's been just a fascinating series. Like I said, three of the five games in Boise have been decided by one point. I see no reason why that would be any different. Um, and I, I could see it going either way, but just because Boise State's at home, just because of their home record – I know the crowd's not going to be packed, but uh, I'll go like 31-30. I mean, I know the over-under was 61, so I'm going right at it. You know, it's kind of a cop-out answer. But I'll, I'll, I'll go 31-30 Boise State. But, I mean, I don't, I don't feel very confident in that posi- position. I certainly wouldn't bet on it. I, I think that um, there's a, you know, it could go either way. I think it's just going to be a great game, two great teams. And, um, you know, whichever team wins is going to have a whole lot of, you know, momentum moving forward, and it's going to be very disappointing for the team that loses. So, I, I, you know, it's crazy. It's the first time both teams have been ranked 
you guys know, first time a top 10 team has ever come to Boise. It's the only the second time in 20 years Boise State's been an underdog on the blue turf. I mean, they're, uh, they're not used to this position, and so they like that kind of backs against the wall, you know, uh, underdog mentality. They're not in it very often, but they do like it, and that kind of – they use that as motivation pretty well. So I got, you know, either way would be fine, but I'll go 31-30, and I'll, I'll give the slight edge to the home team, Boise State. How did they come up with 1,000 fans? Why not 2,000? Well, that was just the number that Central District Health allowed. I mean, that was the – I don't know how they chose that over 2,000. Right. I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. But, I mean, it's – you know, they, the, the gathering limits right now is you're not allowed to have more than 50 fans in the county. So you're not allowed to have more than 50 – any gatherings, private or public, of more than 50 in the in the Ada County where, where the Boise State campus is. And so I think Boise State was getting a lot of pressure from their parents who were putting – petitions together and trying to do things to get in there so they worked with the health district and put a plan together and then took it to the board at their meeting on wednesday night and um, the plan was to ban the cheerleaders the players parents and then about 500 students to, to get you at, a, at a, around a thousand and so I, I don't know the answer to that i don't know if they felt nervous that you know more than that would not be allowed i don't know if they thought that um hey you know we're going to have 200 of these parents driving up from utah or anywhere else in the country i don't know if that they felt that would have hurt their case of getting this approved. I mean, it, it barely got approved as it was. I mean, this was a last minute, two nights before the game. Um, you know, there was a there was a chance that this was going to get voted down completely. So I think they just went bare minimum, put the plan together. And don't forget, guys, everyone every one of these thousand people has to have a negative COVID test before they can get into the game. So th- there, there's some other things I don't think people are are rem- you know realizing. But this is not just you know a thousand people come on into the game. You have to have a negative COVID test. There's a lot of other things being put in place. And the, 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 they, they got the 1,000 approved, and, and I don't know if they're going to try to push that up for future games to more, but I think the biggest deal for them was their parents and their band and the cheerleaders, and then they're able to get some students in. But I, I just was surprised at how much this took off. I, I really, you know, I'm not trying to be a Boise State homer here. I don't think there was some intent to just say, oh, you know, let's forget about BYU's parents. I think it was, hey, we barely got this approved. This might be the only game this year that it happens. And our, our some of our students that pay and have, the, you know, opportunity to go to this school, we should take care of them before we take care of some other team's parents that have already seen them play two games this year. And so if people think that's Bush League or unfair, I get it. But I, I really do understand it, at least at the short notice from Boise State's side, why they're doing it in this way. B.J. Range, he covers the Boise State Broncos for the Auto Press Tribune and Blue Turf Sports. Thanks for coming on with us. Once again, we appreciate it. No problem, guys. Should be a great game. Looking forward to it tonight. It actually might rain, so it's a little cloudy here in Boise. Might be um, there's a chance of some rain and some wind, so it could be uh, could be interesting on the blue turf. We appreciate it, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up in one nice neat segment next. Let's go. The big show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. I'm sure that you have a thousand sources that are whispering in your ear about who the starter is going to be. What's your best guess? I think it's Cameron Rising. One, he has spent more time in Andy Ludwig's system. Remember, Rising had the red shirt last year, spent game days in the press box next to Ludwig. Number two, Kyle Whittingham has kind of harped throughout fall camp. Accuracy is the most important thing. They're charting every pass. And Kyle, not too long ago, really kind of made it a point to say that Rising's accuracy has really taken a pretty significant step forward. We haven't seen practice. I could absolutely be wrong, but I'm at like 60-40 that it's rising over Jake Bentley. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
For many of our listeners, the daily grind begins at 6 a.m. sharp. Wake up. But for some of our uh, slightly less ambitious listeners, uh, what? this segment is for you. These are your 9 o'clock Where the Heck Have You Been slacker headlines. Wake up. With DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Football Fridays here on The Zone Sports Network. And coverage of the Las Vegas Raiders game against the Chargers on Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. Same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. Now, PK, earlier this morning I read this, and it's instead of Los Angeles Chargers, it said Los Angeles Rams, which is obviously wrong because it's the Chargers and the Raiders uh, this week. But um, – I have to uh, I have to correct this. I assumed the tired Lloyd messed that up because Lloyd is a Raider fan. He is silver and black through and through, and so I assume he knows who they're playing and he messed it up. But he said that copy actually came from Jake. Of course, he's not here. I'm going to blame him. <laughs> now it goes. Well, it gives us something to make fun of Jake with on Monday. So we'll go with that. We'll see if he turns, Easy mistake, by the way. We'll see if he turns around and blames you. There's too many teams going in and out of Los Angeles. You just need to stick with Rams, Raiders, and Chargers, and then you don't blurt out Oakland Raiders or San Diego Chargers or Los Angeles Rams when you mean Los Angeles Chargers. Or you just just you got stick with Los the brand An- names. Angeles's, and then you have a Las Vegas. You got a lot of loss. Well, when I make a mistake, I own it. I don't blame anybody else. <laughs> Raise your hand. That's on me. All right. We did have uh, the uh, Raider analyst on earlier this morning and the Pac-12 analyst, Lincoln Kennedy. And uh, and he uh, underlined what I think a lot of us think. He said, yes, Cal Washington is off, but that is only the first game. It is not the last one. We've sat here and made predictions on the youth season, all on the assumption there'd be six games, which that isn't automatic either. And we do have people now who are saying, I'm picking them to go four and one. I'm picking them to go three and two. Oh, just five? Well, yeah, maybe it happens. If it happens, it happens, man. You got to roll with it. There's nothing else you can do. I mean, you got to just basically, you got to roll with just about everything in life, really, when you think about it, because there's a lot of stuff you can't control. And, and man, it's just too short to be getting all worked up about. And so you're just going to have to do the best. And if the game is. What are they uh, canceled? No contest, whatever they're calling it. Then you just go on to the next one and you get things in order, and maybe you can play the next one. So there's no guarantees here by any stretch. Uh, so we'll have to see. I mean, you, know, you could argue. I don't even know that they're going to play tomorrow, man. And I'm just grateful that uh, tonight I've got some football to watch, and tomorrow I'll have some football to watch. And I'm hoping at 1:30 it's the Ute game against Arizona. And uh, if it's not, I expect it is, but at this point, if it's not, I'll move on to the next game. There's going to be games on, and I I appreciate that. That's the bottom line is I appreciate being able to do that, and the weather doesn't look like it's going to be good, and we're going to get into the season where the weather isn't good. And so it's time to be indoors watching sports, for me anyway, and I've got that, and then I've got the NFL the next day, and then and if short amount of time we're going to get the nba 
So I'm trying to trying to maintain as much as a positive attitude about the good things and to deal with the bad things as they come. The game tomorrow, as you point out, is 1.30. I know some of you have seen schedules where it says 2 o'clock on ESPNU, but there have been six or seven games postponed or canceled tomorrow, and uh, ESPN moved its lineup around. So it's ESPN 2 at 1.30 for the Utes and for uh, Arizona. So we've got a lot of feedback on that. We will get to that uh, coming up. The Aggies played last night in PK. Not just 0-3, but giving up about 38 points and 500 yards a game. Those numbers are astounding and in a negative way. You're always very big on making sure we use the negative and the positive, right? Uh, what is the word? There's one word, that, one word that's always – oh, infamous. Infamous is bad, people. Infamous is bad. Notorious. Now – Notorious is one of those Notorious words, is another people, word, yes. People say, oh, you're getting notoriety for that uh, great game you played. Well, notoriety is you're getting notoriety because you got arrested, that type. So it's notoriety is based yes. at the negative. Well, this is a negative. 38 yeah, points, awful. 500 yards. It's just a track meet going up and down the field. They're okay for a couple drives, and then something goes wrong. They actually got a safety. And then something goes wrong, and the floodgates open, and they start just missing tackles all over the field. Well, the thing that is really, really distressing me is last week they gave up over 400 yards on the on the ground, which the, that number is astounding. <laughs> and then this week they just do it through the air. And so that means you suck all the way. I, I, there's no other way I could say it, man. You can't defend the run or the pass. And if you can't defend the run or the pass as a defense, I'm, I never put my hand in the dirt, but something tells me that is not good. And that's where we're at. They're in desperate times now. I mean, this program in the short term, and maybe it is only hopefully for them for the short term, has fallen off precipitously. And that's one of those big words that I'm not sure what it means really, but it just sounds good. It's like unmitigated. When you use the word unmitigated, you know what word has to follow? Disaster. Exactly. Every time. (laughs) Unmitigated mediocrity, said no one ever. No, you have to follow it. Right now, their football program through three games is an unmitigated disaster, unmitigated disaster. And that doesn't bring me any pleasure by any stretch because so many folks have worked hard to build that thing up because we remember not too long ago when it was an unmitigated disaster. We know that. Those one-win seasons, that that's a relatively short time away, and they've put a lot of money in that. People have donated a lot of money. Things have been done to raise the level, to get them the stuff that they need around the program. And it's important to a lot of people, and I appreciate that and respect that. And right now, I'm a little nervous. Uh, we talk a lot about the defense, but offensively, it's been awful also. 29 points in three games. That's less than 10 points per game. Uh, Shelley has not thrown yeah. for 100 yards in a game yet. No, it's no. no. And and I got to say, atrocious. for whatever you want to put on him, and I saw it on social media during he was he was taking a beating, but he did not have a lot. They they couldn't throw quick wide receiver screens. He drops back three steps and turns to throw the ball out to the left, and he's got a defensive end right in his lap. They're not blocking anybody either. They haven't well, had a hundred yard game. Ba- yeah, they haven't had a hundred yard back. They haven't even had a forty yard back in the last two games. And they haven't had a 100-yard receiver. It's just it's a mess all over the field. It is, man. I don't and, know how and, we can just keep right. beating it, but those yeah. are true, true statements. And it's Fresno and Wyoming the next two weeks, so 0-3 could be 0-5 pretty quickly. 
Um, New Mexico on Thanksgiving looks like the first best chance for a win the way this is going. All right, uh, we got the uh, the Cougars tonight. We just heard from uh, B.J. Range. Your takeaways from listening to him. Well, I agree with him in a lot of uh, aspects in terms of it's hard to predict. These are two quality teams going at each other. And so with that in mind, uh, we're not guessing that it would – we're not anticipating that it would be a surprise, that it would be hard fought, that it would come down to the end. Who's going to make a play? Who's going to make a catch? You chuck the ball up, and does Gunnar Romney come down with it? Uh, and uh, does that great receiver for Boise, who's really, really good, does he make a play? So, you know, in that situation, it's really impossible to predict. Uh, and I'm probably a little bit of a homer from my perspective, too, because I know a lot more about the Cougars, but I feel like I give them the slight edge. And, and, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm hoping that they win because it's great for our business to have these teams win. We've said it a thousand times. And if you want to call me a homer, I've got no problem with that. BYU homer, fine. But just make sure you also call me a Utah homer and a jazz homer. (laughs) Just win, baby. Who? Everybody? It's great for business. We've said that a million times over. Yep. And I think you and I, of all the folks, we have the most credibility. We didn't grow up here. We didn't attend any of these schools, unlike some other folks uh, that that we employ, obviously, and others out there. So... We can speak from the person, and we can, and actually, we don't have that. Uh, what would you say? Well, we don't uh, loathe one of the other teams either. Okay, but we don't have. If you went, say, like you went to Utah or BYU, it's hard for you to say, "Well, I'm rooting for them to win," because then you're viewed as more of a homer than we are. <laughs> yeah. Because you have the connection there. We don't have that connection. I went to school in Arizona. You went to school in California. Those are documented, and so. For us, it's easier to say, and I think people can accept it, that we want them to win because it's great for business. And that is it, man. That is the number one reason. And now, too, we've gotten to know people, and we like yeah. people, and we like to see individuals have success. And it's not so much the players, because I don't really know any of the players. They're way too young for me. I know <laughs> hey, the guys, coaches. Let's yeah, go get a burger. They're, they're not my <laughs> friends, uh, and I don't do anything. And I've done stuff socially with some of these coaches. That Those are facts. And I want them to have success. And if that's a homer, put me on the uh, uh, guilty table of being a homer. It seems like everything is set up for BYU. This is best-case scenario, and maybe they don't get it done because Boise State is just yeah. that good. But uh, B.J. Range brought this point up. You know, there's only going to be 1,100 fans there. It, it's not going to be the normal chaos going, oh, in, going into Boise, right? No. And so it's literally from, from that to uh, – how many players are they missing? I mean, we're focusing on the, the quarterback and the running back because they're the quarterback and the running back. But the Reigns is going through the injuries they've suffered since the first snap of the first game and the guys who are out. And, you know, there's, there's some vulnerabilities. And, and he told us, he's been, very, he's been on the show three times in the last two months. And he told us the first time he came on, the only question marks on the team are the O-line and D-line. Now, that's a big deal because if you lose the line of scrimmage, you're in a lot of trouble. But they've got a lot of talent and skill possessions on offense. He believed in the linebackers in the secondary. So Dax Milne, Gunnar Romney, you know, getting open could be an issue. But the chances are to control the line of scrimmage. He thinks the O-line has answered the questions. He doesn't think the D-line has. 
you know. So I think he's being pretty straight up with us right, there. Right, right. Yeah, and yeah. and it's BYU's O-line has been really good at times. They haven't been as dominant every week as I expected, but they've also been missing guys and shuffling guys around. And I think they're back to a pretty good spot. Probably not a great spot because if you're in a great spot, you've had all your guys all year and you're a well-oiled machine and all of that. And, you know, guys have missed games and all that. But I think they're going to be in a pretty good spot. Maybe we'll be surprised because they keep everything, you know, a secret before they go out on the field. Something can, you know, be revealed who had a COVID test or whatever. Uh, but I think the BYU offensive line versus the Boise State defensive line is going to be an advantage for the Cougars. They don't need much. They played so many close games up there and a home too uh, that it really is one or two plays. And if you're calling the plays and your old line's controlling their D-line, now you got the full playbook, and Zach Wilson gets to go play action. It gives guys more time to get open. You know, everything starts to work in your favor in a game where you're usually only a player or two away from winning anyway. So I'm going to pick the Cougs. Well, I think that BYU has as good a big, big play capability as they've had uh, since Taysom was running around. And obviously, anytime he took off, he was capable of getting huge yardage, if not going all the way, because he was such a spectacular athlete. Still is, obviously. Uh, but at the college level, it just seemed like once he got a step on you, forget it. You weren't bringing him down. And there's very few guys, I think, that they've had that uh, situation. And here, I don't know that they have an individual who can just blow you away. But I think Zach Wilson's ability to get the ball out there has allowed these guys to create some big plays. And they've got, you know, maybe not all the way in the way a Luke Staley or a Taysom Hill could, but they can get behind guys and Zach can get you the ball. And that's good to know that they got that. Plus, you know, one of the things I've been impressed with has been the emergence of of tight ends. They they don't have a, a... and they may have it in, in time, but they don't have a big stud a la Bushman that we expected him to do this year, but he had the unfortunate injury. But they've got tight ends who've been able to make some plays as they develop. And they're still young kids, and that's been good because we know over the many, many years BYU's at its best when it's tight end as being an effective part of the offense. And it's not a singular guy like a Pitta, and we know all the names, but they've got – two or three guys that can get the ball and do something with it. And that, and that that's good to have. And Wilson, I think that might be something that we can see a little bit more tonight. I think with uh, what they got with the tight ends is a guy who can make a couple of catches, pick up 10 or 15 yards, move the chains. That's a big deal. And they haven't needed more than that, which is, I think, what they would have gotten from Bushman had he been healthy. But they haven't needed it because Dax Milne has had so many huge games. Romney hasn't always been healthy, but when he's in, he has caught the deep ball in multiple games. And so when you got those two, I thought when you were saying big play, you were going to compare the two wide receivers. Leave the athleticism of uh, Taysom Hill out of it and the big plays he made. Leave out even the tight end or Jamal Williams at running back. But just the two wide receivers, when's the last time they had two receivers you believed in to make this many big plays in a game? I think I know where you're going to go. It's been a while because they haven't had the quarterback uh, to be able to do that. You need that too. Uh, well, uh, Collie Watkins way back. Yep, that's the one I thought you were going to. That's it. I don't. I think this is the best wide receiver combo since then. And those two guys made a bunch of big plays down the field. Um, I don't know what the numbers are. I'd have to go back and look at them. But off the top of my head, I think this is the best wide receiver duo since those two. Probably, yeah. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. That's some of the stuff we have been talking about this morning. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The play-by-play voice of BYU, Greg Rubel. Boise State announced pending permission from local health authorities. They're going to allow a number of students to come in and be a part of that game. Your thoughts on on kind of that announcement? I'm in favor of environment over no environment, right? I love the ambience of college football, and any crowd noise is good noise as far as the radio broadcaster is concerned. I guess I would just say if, you know, student-athletes, parents or family members are, are going to be allowed in the building. Well, that's great. It'd be nice if the same courtesy is extended to BYU if they have people that want to attend. It'd be kind of weird to have a game of this magnitude played in a truly empty building. And so while it might benefit Boise to an extent, I think even the Cougars would welcome a little bit of buzz, a little bit of juice in the building on Friday night. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Comes to an end. It's time to hear from you. Is this live right now? From your calls, tweets, and open mics, this is the best feedback of the day. This is why we lost the game. Presented by Strong Audi on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time for your feedback, all the stuff you're saying about today's show. Uh, <laughs> oh, PK, you and Cougar fans are fighting each other over schedules. Our question today, this game is huge, 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 ginormous, we say. So what happens on the Azul turf in Boise? Snazzy Kook says BYU does what the Utes and Aggies have never been able to do. To which, uh, up in your grill at Utah Ute, uh, which is what? Oh, have the worst strength of schedule in the history of the world? You're right. They did it. <laughs> LOL. Snazzy Kook tweets back. Ha-ha. Good one. Seen your schedule? <laughs> oh, man. The think, scheduling for BYU, I mean, they got to make the best of the situation, so I can't knock them. And both these teams right now have probably two of the top 40 teams in the country on their schedule, and after that, they're playing a bunch of teams that, depending on what you look at, are ranked 70, 80, 90. I think it's more of an indictment, not on Utah's schedule, because they have no choice, but on the Pac-12 South. Yes, I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, I think there are some uh, decent but not great teams in the North, but because they're only playing one crossover game and they're handed Oregon State, they don't really tap into that. Right, exactly. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. know that uh, Cal or Washington and Stanford are all that, nor do I think that they are nearly as down as UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado, well, I, which I to wonder, your point is the bottom half of the South yeah. is bad. But I wonder if that's what the conference, they can't come out and say it, if they want that, because that's been the big problem is Oregon rolling to a, 
a 7-0 and record and then going down in the desert against a team that had lost four in a row, and then they walk out of there with a defeat that squashes their opportunity to get into the playoff. So maybe, I wonder if Larry Scott's thinking, yeah, yeah, great. You schools down in the South, you <laughs> Stay keep down. sucking know, so right? we have a better chance because obviously in our conference we need somebody minimally one loss, and it's got to probably be a good loss against a great team, uh, but undefeated. And then if we have an undefeated team and we – and, well, then we can scream bloody murder yeah. as much as we want. But in order to do that, you need to be in a position to where you're not losing some of these games that they tend to lose. So maybe it's better off to stink. I'm, I'm wondering what the Pac-12 administration and maybe some ADs are thinking. Yeah, as long as it's not me, I want you all to stink. <laughs> yeah, right. UCLA's not in favor of this plan. <laughs> But ASU right, and exactly. Utah are like, it's not all bad. It really isn't. It's not all bad, people. Yeah, and the conference, because that's, that's what they say they need. And they need to stop having some team that has no business beating one of the better teams and knocking the conference out of the race. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they can get teams to play six games. And obviously, Cal and Washington aren't going to get there with their game off this weekend. But can they get two 6-0 teams there? Because... I don't know, chicken and the egg. Do you think they said, hey, let's, the ADs are looking at the finances, right? And they're thinking, hey, I don't want to be the AD who has to buy, to pay for four charter planes this year. Let's make sure everybody gets three home games. Or do you think they looked at some of the teams and said, we use three home games for cover and we can make sure none of the best teams have tough crossover games? I think they had to use the three games. I think there was too much pressure. And then they had to factor in. They want to keep the schedule in terms of, you know, your divisions and your crossover games. That The crossover games change, obviously, so we'll just go with the divisions. So if it's your year to host fill-in-the-blank school, they didn't want to change that yep, up. Yep, I get that. I totally get that. I always thought that the five division games, that was like the core. That was the base of the schedule right there. Kyle never talked about a number lower than five. And so that was always that always made sense to me. Not only play the five games, but play them in the normal rotation you're in. Although I thought, you know, I had been tipped off earlier when they made that announcement. You go back and look at my Twitter. Uh, I put that on there. Six games. What do you think, people? Because somebody had told me like 10 o'clock in the morning. This is what, and I think it was announced like two or three o'clock. And I remember I put it out there, and Scotty says, "Okay, man, I know you know something because you just don't put that out there because I'm not a big tweeter to begin with." And I said, "Yeah, right, exactly." And I said at the time, I what the one thing I didn't know is there had been some discussion of not having divisions, and I actually thought this year would have been better to not have the divisions to ensure that you got the two best teams playing each other for that seventh game and then obviously uh, what you would call the Pac-12 title game. But they didn't go in that direction. I thought I thought that maybe it might be. Maybe I was wrong. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. But I thought this year there was a decent chance they didn't have divisions and they just played the games. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. We will see you Sunday night on Talking Sports. We will be back here Monday morning from 6 to 10 and uh, enjoy all the games this weekend. A full, a full complement of football all over the place with the Pac-12 back on the schedule. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Party time! You have a great weekend, okay, buddy?